Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome in, Loons fans, to another good week here on Loon Talk with myself, Jonathan Harrison, alongside Dan Terhar. We are the radio broadcast team for Minnesota United matches over on Score North on AM 1500, the Score North mobile app, and on your computers at live.scorenorth.com. Dan, how are you doing after a 2-1 win for the Loons? Excellent. I like winning. It's so much better. Winning is fun. <laughs> it's just way better for everybody who's a Minnesota United fan. Uh, again, you are listening to Loon Talk. Anywhere you find your podcasts, we can be found. Do give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. It really does help us get found. Also, if you want to watch us talk soccer for some reason instead of just listen to us, you can go to Score North's YouTube channel. That video comes out usually about one to two days after we post the podcast version, so you can go watch us. Do go give us a thumbs up and a comment over there. Uh, Dan, before we jump into the finer points of a Loon's 2-1 win over the Portland Timbers, let's get your broad thoughts on a 90 minutes that I would I would judge it as a really good 90 minutes for Minnesota United. Yeah, I mean, the broad the, the broad brush paint, you know, look at this one was, you know, first of all, it was like, whew, you know, we got the three points because it looked for a while like that wasn't going to happen. And, and it didn't feel deserved because the shots were, you know, like, you remember earlier in the year when we, well, we're still, I think, second or third in the MLS in shots. I don't know what it is after uh, after Saturday night. I think we're um, but we were always, you know, one of the league leaders in, in shots, but not in shots on goal. So it, 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 for a while, it felt like, here we go, another one of those nights where we're taking 20, 30 shots and we're only going to have three of them on goal. And, uh, you know, luckily things got better in the second half and they're able to score a couple. But, yeah, to me it was it was almost, you know, it was exciting, but it was more more relief than anything that this thing didn't go down that bad road that we've seen too many times. Yeah, and thankfully, as you said, they were able to fight back. They certainly didn't make it easy because, you know, we, we live in Minnesota. We cheer for Minnesota sports teams. <laughs> it can never be easy in this It's state. not supposed to be easy, no. No. We certainly like to make it as difficult as possible, and the Loons certainly did that on Saturday night. But, man, was it fun. The atmosphere at Allianz Field after... I went back and rewatched it. It felt like in the 60, 60th minute, things really changed. That place got really loud. The mm-hmm. crowd, they were in it all night. But after the 60th minute, Minnesota started piling in chances, started piling on the pressure. And when they're going at the Wonderwall, it just makes it easier for the crowd to get into it. Especially mm-hmm. the Wonderwall, that fan section right there. They were just getting into it as chance after chance was flying in. And it felt like the whole place just started getting really riled up and really amped up and that fed into the players and that helped them over the last what was that 18 min or 16 minutes when they started scoring yeah if you think back think back to a year or so ago when we were playing uh, in that same building with no fans and then you, you fast forward to Saturday night with the uh like you said the just the complete chaos once the fans got going and then once uh, Minnesota got their first goal uh that place was yeah the place was just lit up and um you know the the, the smoke uh, the smoke bomb from was it the first goal I think it was yeah it was the first goal. it hung in the air so long because of the humidity that literally we couldn't see what was going on and they almost scored a goal without you know without us being able to really see anything other than some blurs popping in and out of the smoke so uh, I've never seen that happen before but it was the air was just so thick and so heavy on Saturday night and um, 
it it's just one of those nights that it certainly could have come out a different way but i think the right team won the team that deserved to win won the match and you know that's that was just like i said that was a, a huge sigh of relief after that one yeah absolutely uh, I, I don't want to delve too much into the first half because let's just forget about it because the second half happened and we want to focus on that. Yeah. The goal, the 10th minute goal by Felipe Mora was definitely against the run of play. Mora had a nice run that drew uh, Bakay Debasi out to the far post. And once Mora saw that, um, who was it, Dairon Espria had a ton of space. Roman Metzner was giving him a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Once Mora saw him with all that space, he started darting in into that space he created between the two Minnesota center backs with a nice headed, headed goal. Um, other than that, Portland really weren't in this one other than that one goal. I can't remember a whole lot of chances throughout the throughout the night and watching it back again. I don't remember seeing a whole lot of chances where Portland really felt dangerous heading at Tyler Miller. Yeah, they didn't. They really weren't. And, and yeah, if you take that goal out of it, um, it that goal just kind of got us all to sit back and go, "Uh oh, we could be in trouble here." But the the team never acted like they were. You know, th- this team doesn't panic. They don't look panicked. They just kept working hard. Um, all I could say about the first half is. You know, they considering they were down one nil at half, they really had a good forty five minutes. Uh, they had the better of the chances, a lot more shots. Um, you know, one really the, the, described the first half as, and I think I don't know what it ended up at halftime, but at one point it was at like sixty two or sixty three percent possession. Yep. And th- no, that was at the half, I believe. Yeah. And you don't that see happened. that. You don't see a number like that. You know. No, fifty five percent is a big number in a lot of matches. I remember seeing that the first couple of years when we were at TCF Bank Stadium and Minnesota was on the other side of that 63%. Yeah, right. That's just because how they were set up and playing. But, yeah, I yeah. can't remember Minnesota having that much possession. And going back and remembering it, they absolutely had a total yeah. possession. It always felt like that game, like the field was really tilted towards the Portland defense. Like mm-hmm. Minnesota, the ball was just rolling back that way anytime it happened. And I think that's partly because, and I want to focus on these two guys because they deserve a lot of credit. Will Trapp and Asani Dotson have been an outstanding midfield for this team all season mm-hmm. long. Will Trapp still get stick even from from the league podcast? Who I, I mentioned it before the broad before the broadcast on Saturday in their podcast. They said Will Trapp isn't the ideal partner to Asani Dotson. I just I was baffled. Like how can you say that when Will Trapp's played as well as he has this season? He does the defensive work. Him and Asani Dotson are so good at just harassing every every opposing player and not letting the ball get very far towards the Minnesota defense and their passing's just been outstanding too. Yeah, I I, I don't understand that. Uh, I guess if you if you're just looking at stats and and you might look at it and go, well, Will Trap hasn't figured in any of the scoring and he doesn't have enough key passes or whatever stats they're looking at, but if you've seen him play every match, you realize that he's you you'll be hard-pressed to go back and even find more than a couple of mistakes. Yeah. You know, bad passes, you know, giveaways, turnovers. He, he, he just has been very smart, very cautious. And, you know, he does all that without, without being overly aggressive. He doesn't take a lot. He doesn't, he doesn't commit a lot of fouls. Um, he doesn't get, you know, the Ozzy Alonzo yellow cards every other <laughs> match, you know? So he does it with a complete different demeanor than, than Ozzy plays that position. Which is what I really like. I love when whatever sport it is. In this case, obviously we're talking about soccer. When you come with a player that is 
skill level they're they're you know somewhat similar and but when they have a completely different style of play yeah you know i love to see you know if trap goes out and ozzy comes in because whoever was dealing with will trap is going to get a whole different experience uh, dealing with ozzy alonzo yeah. and i love that i love to see you know a, a substitution not only to get someone on that's fresh but just completely change the look and 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 Will Trapp and Ozzy Alonzo do that. And I, to say he's not a good partner for um, a kid like Hassani Dotson, I don't understand why you'd say that because you got a guy with experience, a, a veteran who's very calm and, and plays a very relaxed but yet efficient game. I think he's a great example for a young yeah. player. So I, I just I don't know what they were referring to in that, uh, but, you know, that's that's fine. We know what's going on there, and uh, our, our midfield's in pretty good position with a guy like Ozzy Alonso ready to come off the bench, Jan Grey Goose ready to come off the bench. We're in pretty good shape. Absolutely. When you can keep uh, one of the best defensive midfielders in league history on the bench, when you mm-hmm. can keep a designated player on the bench, you know your midfield's playing pretty dang well. And over the past couple games, you know, take the Colorado match out of it. Over the past two games especially, you've seen how well that midfield has played and is able to play and how yeah. well it does protecting that back line because they the back line and that midfield work together to shut out two really strong attacks over the last week. And yeah. that was that's such a huge week for Minnesota, for this club, to get two wins, two wins against Pacific Northwest sides that are generally the class of the Western Conference and of the league. And Minnesota's able to go out and get get six points out of six available and climb further up the Western Conference standings. We'll get back to that in a second. Uh, you mentioned a little bit ago about changing formation and changing the look. Coming out of the se- into the second half, Portland had a little bit of momentum, and that lasted for all of 10 minutes. Adrian Heath made some changes. He brought on Ethan Finley, took out who, – who did he take out? I can't – was it – was it Nico? I think he took out Nico. Yeah, he yeah, took out Nico, Nico. And... and that changed things because he moved he moved Uno over to the left wing. Right, where Nico was. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. moved Robin up to the false nine, which we saw against Seattle in much of mm-hmm. last season. And then Finley was on the right wing with Emmanuel Reynoso still playing as the number 10. And that seemed to absolutely change things because all of a sudden you had Robin tucking in on the left, which caused a lot of issues. You had or yeah, you had no, you had Uno tucking in on the left. Then you had Robin dropping back, causing spacing issues. And Ethan Finley was just eating Jose Carlos Van Rankin alive on that right-hand side, just with his pace and with his playmaking, playing a little bit wider than than Van Rankin had been used to for the previous 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was it was quite a change, and then on top of that, all of a sudden you've got Ethan Finlay just flying all over the yeah. place. You know, here, here's a guy that his his playing time has been greatly reduced recently uh, because this team has gotten better skill wise. Here's a guy that's uh, you know Minnesota native. All he wants to do is play. So if you're going to throw him out there in the 65th minute, you're going to get you're going to get a buzzsaw, and he's going to go go go. And 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 it's fun to watch him. I mean, I liked I liked him as a starter. And I think he'll get some starts as, as things continue to get uh, busy here in the stretch of the season. But uh, something about having a guy with his kind of energy and the way he plays, uh, Ethan is really effective off the bench. And, and I mean, you got you've got to have that here uh, as you go through the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And then you bring in Juan Aguadella, which I know you and I kind of looked at it like, oh, that's a weird substitution. But with how those four players were just able to 
interchange spots and just move around. Mm-hmm. It caused a lot of issues with Portland. They weren't able to track where guys were. You saw Emmanuel Reynoso start popping up on the right wing, which he saw. He clearly saw that Ethan Finley had something going on there against Van Rankin. And then you add Reynoso into that on top of what Finley was already doing, on top of what Roman Mentonaire was able to do all game long. That added issues, and it caused problems for the final 16 minutes. And let's get to the goal. Chase Gasper gets the equalizing goal in the 74th minute. Comes off a corner kick that was cleared out. Hassani Dotson gets it on the edge of the box and basically just boots it in. Just <laughs> kicks it high into the air and hopes that it can cause some problems. And Chase Gasper, of all people, your favorite dump truck in the world, just jumps up above everybody, heads it in to the goal on the side where Ivicic was not leaning and gets the equalizing goal. Nobody was watching Chase. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the thing. If that doesn't result in a goal and the team is watching film, they're going to pause it and say, Hassani, Hassani, what the hell were you doing? Yeah, what was that? It's, that was not a good soccer play. No, it was I weird. Mean, you want to cross it with some pace. You want to cross it with some momentum so that someone can get ahead on it, get a redirect. Um, and I don't know what he was trying to do, but he didn't get the best part of the, the foot on the ball, and it shot straight up in the air. And when you get those kind of of balls that are coming straight down, and you got every, you got eight guys in the in the in the vicinity, it's it's really hard to time. And, and Chase Gasper was just they just kind of ignored him, and and he had enough room to to really take that ball and, and direct it with his head exactly where he wanted to, and right inside the far post. It was a it was a beautiful goal. I mean, it was yeah. well done by Chase, and um, and then. You know, Allianz Field exploded. It was it was Absolutely. it was pandemonium, as they say. It was a it was a good goal, not just because it equalized the game and pushed the momentum even more in the favor of Minnesota United, but it was also a good goal from like a season wide aspect. You look at the season Chase has had; he had a really rough start along with the rest of the team. But there was a yeah. lot of blame being put on him because he made some really bad mistakes early in the season. But then he's just come along and gotten it together, put that behind him, and he's just been super consistent like he always has been at that left-back role and really showed that he deserves a starting place on this squad. I think I think when the season started, Chase is a very emotional player. And and, and those guys can get in they can get inside their own heads. I think he came into the season and I think he had decided he was going to do A, B, C, and D and tried to do it all in the first couple of matches. Um, yeah. And I think he had to take a step back and go, okay, I got to do my job. The other stuff will come into place. Um, and and I think he just had to kind of had to readjust, get a little attitude adjustment. And once he got in his head what he needed to do and what his job was, well, he's been pretty, he's been pretty darn good the last 10 matches. Absolutely, he has. After that, Minnesota started piling on the pressure Um, after that goal with a pair of immediate chances within the first minute after that goal. Minnesota had two chances, and then that kept continuing over the next 11 minutes until Robin Lode eventually scored. It was an outstanding 40-yard pass from Emmanuel Reynoso. Just a wonderful pass. And then Robin Lode making a perfect run, perfectly timed run to split the Portland center backs. And he's able to just one-touch that ball right into where he wants it, right onto his left foot, and then just pushes it right past Ivicic for the game-winning goal. It was a play. Yeah, it was a beautiful pass. It was it was perfect, and you know that's the type of thing we expected to see more of from Reynoso. Yeah, and I think it'll happen. I think Emmanuel, just because of his start here with Robin Lode and, and early in the year with Robin Lode, I think he is just a little more. Those two are a little more synced up. Um, 
Renoso knows has a little bit better idea of what kind of runs Robin likes to make and when he'll make him. And, and I think that connection will get better with uh, Fregapane and with uh, Adrian Anu as the season goes along. But yeah, it just it was it was a uh, it was a perfect pass and great finish by Robin Lode, and he just continues to be the guy that you know. Minnesota's leaning on, and they have been for you know a season of you know a year now. So he's he's just cool. He's Robin. He's Robin Load, and you know we got to love the uh, the archery, yeah, the Robin Hood uh, celebration. It's good stuff, and the place was and the place was going nuts again. So absolutely, and according to MLSsoccer.com and their stats keeping, that is Emmanuel Reynoso's fourth assist on, on the season, so they clearly okay. are counting hockey assists, the, the secondary assist. According to FBRF, one of my favorite stats websites, it's his first direct assist on the season. Okay. Um, which makes sense, because it felt like, it's certainly felt like he's been kind of, he hasn't been providing on the stat sheet like he, like he was last year, but he's been providing other things, and that kind of leads me to my big question for the day, if you want to give us the sounder. The big question, 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 question. Question, is Emmanuel Reynoso trying to do too much? We talked about this in our pre-match show that we we had known going in that the coaching staff was focusing on keeping him further upfield because in the Seattle match, he had dropped back way too much. In the Colorado match, he definitely had dropped back way too much, was losing the ball in all the wrong areas in that Colorado match. He didn't lose it. He lost it quite a bit in the Seattle match, but wasn't losing it in as bad of areas as he was against Colorado. On Saturday, he lost the ball 39 times, which if you're going to be the team's leader in touches, it's going to happen. But you mm-hmm. still don't want to lose it that many times. Is he yeah. is he still trying to do too much? I don't like that question. <laughs> is he trying to do Yes, yes. If you give away the ball 39 times, you're trying to do too much. So let's just say, yes, he is trying to do yeah. too much. But I think he's only trying to live up to what he thinks he's capable of doing yeah. and the player that he's capable of being. Now, that's what you want in a young player that you're trying to build your team around. So I personally don't think he should change what he's doing all that much because I think as he continues to try to do too much, he will continue to get better and better, and his decisions will get better and better. And if you take that 39 turnovers and cut it in half with with that many touches, all of a sudden you've got a guy that other teams don't know what to do with. And, and right now they're focusing so much on him. And I thought load coming back most recently, um, but with Adrian Onu – there needs to be, and Robin Lude is one guy that's doing that right now, somebody making threats that they have to pay attention to, yeah. and Robin is doing that right now. He's scored two game winners in a row. They're going to have to be aware of him and know where he is. And as soon as they start, where's 17, where's 17, number 10 is going to have a little more space. And, 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 and I was hoping that that would be more of an of a instant fix, once we started with with Fragapane and with Anu in the lineup, but this league is is not that easy. You've got to actually do something before teams are going to stop and change their game plan for you. And and so the the more that we get those guys involved, the the quicker I think that things will become easier for Reynoso. And but I think it'll come, and and it might we might see that coming up on on Wednesday night. 
if LAFC is concerned about what Robin Lude can do to them, yeah. all of a sudden you could see a different uh, a different uh, look for for Reynoso. Yeah, Robin Lude had a number of chances on Saturday night. He, to get, he missed to get the goal more than he usually does. Yeah, and he was yeah. coming close, but yeah. he had a number of really good, clear chances. Uh, back to the question, is Emmanuel Reynoso trying to do too much? I don't – like you said, he's giving the, way, the ball away too much. So if you're if you're looking at it just from that standpoint, then yes, he is. But there's definitely yeah. nuance to this answer in that you want him to be on the ball a lot. You want him to be trying different things. I think it was Adrian Heath who said it on the TV broadcast after the match that – Yes, they were working on him not dropping too deep um, like he did against Seattle, and they still needed. he still wanted to see Emmanuel Reynoso do better than he did on, in Portland. He said he, he said he was still dropping back too much. He wants him to stay further up the field. So I think from that aspect, yes, he's trying to drop back too much, trying to get the ball further back in the field than he should be. He should be relying on the midfield duo that we talked about earlier, Will Trapp and Asani Dotson, to get him the ball. Those guys are going to clear mm-hmm. the ball out and they're going to get him the ball. Just trust that your teammates are going to get you the ball. Stay upfield where you're the most dangerous. Because if you lose the ball up there, then you have you have six guys back who are going to stop the ball from from getting at your goal. You can trust those guys. You can trust the midfield and the defenders to stop the ball from going going towards Tyler Miller. But if you lose it back in your own defensive third, you're you're in trouble. So if if Emmanuel Reynoso is just willing to stay upfield further with the rest of the attack and create those chances with those guys, then then I'm fine with him losing the ball because it'll be in more dangerous positions for the counterattack to happen. So this think- is a this is a good problem to have yeah. a uh, a number ten that wants to play defensively and wants to go back and get the ball and wants to make things happen. We we've had it. We've had a guy in that position that was very highly skilled that I don't know. I think he thought there were landmines if he went across the half line, you know? So, <laughs> half so line. he didn't get close to that. <laughs> half line. I'm not going back there. I'd have to run all the way back up towards the other goal then. <laughs> so it's kind of refreshing to have a young guy that just wants to do. And, and it goes back to your question. Is he trying to do too much? Yeah. Because he's dipping way back down to the top of the you know Minnesota's defensive third to get the ball, and then and then trying to take it the length of the uh, the length of the pitch and, and set up a play. He is trying to do too much, and the more I think about it, the more I just going to say, yeah, he is trying to do too much, and he should make it easier on himself. He's got a coach that's saying, go, get up there, don't come, don't don't even come near me, go the other way. Yeah, and and he just wants to help. He wants to do so much that, um, and when we talked about that. On the, before the match on Saturday, you know, I kind of paid attention to where was Emmanuel when he got the ball, and he's still getting the ball really deep. Yeah, you know, he's really he's really dropping back and and playing the ball in areas that yeah, accor- at least according to what the coach wants him to do, too far back. So it's a it's a problem if you're you know if it's hampering the uh, the offense, but as far as the character of the player and the effort of the player. Yeah. It's it's a really good sign. This kid's got a lot of growing up to do yet, and he's only going to get better. I mean, there's Absolutely. just there's no way he doesn't continue to improve. And being a little bit more offensive minded is is going to happen. And you know, especially when you've got you know, Ozzy Alonso, Will Trap, Hassani Dotson, Jan Gray Goosh, the guys behind you, you know. And maybe maybe you get we'll see more of Jan Gray Goose coming up, and maybe Jan will push him 
you know, if Jan, Jan likes to push up from that position, probably more, definitely more so than Will Trapp, more so than Ozzy Alonso, and maybe even a little bit more than Asani Dotson. They're kind of the same, I think, as far as their uh, their positioning offensively. But maybe Jan's the type of guy that'll keep, you know, pushing Emmanuel Reynoso higher and higher. So, I don't know. Big question is, yeah, he's trying to do too much. See, I I I got you around to coming it, to like that question. It's hard to say that because. It's it's a you're you're labeling a negative on a guy. Yeah. But when you think about it, you're trying to do too much is a good thing in many ways. Yeah. But you know you're right. He is trying to do too much, and that is limiting his you know offensive ability because he's got you're going to turn the ball over 39 times because you're trying to you're trying to dribble and and uh, and beat five defenders. Some of them two or three times in one run, you know, they just keep coming around at you because you're going 45 yards. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a good question. And I think he's only going to get better at that part of it. And, you know, like I said, hopefully we'll see some of that in, in LA on Wednesday. It'd be nice. Uh, So the win on Saturday means the loons have lost just once in their last 10 matches, which if you're keeping track, the previous four before that were the four losses to open the season. So I don't remember good, that, no. It was a good bounce back. It's been a great bounce back. Was that this year they lost four in a row to start the season? It seems like, yeah. I don't, re- I don't remember that. But According to the schedule, it was this year. Certainly yeah, I, didn't, I think that might, that might be a mistake. <laughs> it's not been the prettiest run of 10 games, that's for sure. But they've oh. been, I want to say, resilient. And extremely hard to break down. There are no points for pretty, Jonathan. No, of course not. No po- And do you remember last year when they made the run of the Western Conference Finals? We kept going. Look, we'd, we'd finish up a match and look at each other and it goes, I don't know. They they, I, guess, I guess a win is a win, you know. <laughs> they found a way to win. Right. Yeah. So, you know, this isn't, this isn't a new thing for this team is having to scrap to get wins. But when you win that consistently – you're doing a lot of things right because you know every team can get a few of those wins where you go. I don't know how we pulled that one out, you know. Um, but when it happens ten out of eleven times, it's not it's not luck, you know. Right. So, so next up for Minnesota United Wednesday match at LAFC, a match I know you and I are really looking forward to. Two teams that have been climbing out of pretty poor starts for each of them to start mm-hmm. the season. LAFC are winners of their last six match or three of their last six matches, excuse me. Minnesota is on a three-match unbeaten run against LAFC, actually, uh, but they haven't played them since 2019. They didn't play them at all last year in that weird schedule. Um, the game is at 9.30 p.m. kickoff, 9 p.m. pre-match. You can join us over on Score North on AM 1500, the Score North mobile app, and live.scorenorth.com for, I believe, the lone match in MLS on Wednesday night. Yes, it is. I, I was surprised when I went to see what other matches there were uh, on Wednesday that there were none. So, yeah. weird. MLS weird scheduling. continues to be weird because they have games on... Excuse me. <clears throat> they have games... They have one game on Wednesday and then... Three games on Friday, but no games on Thursday, thankfully, because Gold Cup action takes place on Thursday. Mm-hmm. But then they have two games on Sunday, which is the Gold Cup final, and the U.S. might be in that, so I don't know what, what the heck MLS scheduling is thinking. It's just confusing. <laughs> All right, so that is our quick or that's our review and our preview. Dan, let's take a look across the league quickly at some of the other news and notes around the league. Uh, you are listening to Loon Talk with myself, Jonathan Harrison, and Dan Terhar. We are the radio broadcast crew for Minnesota United Matches. This is a Score North podcast. You can find it anywhere you find your podcasts. And you can also go watch us over on Score North's YouTube channel. 
Quick look across the league now and across the country, I guess. U.S. men's national team beat Jamaica last night 1-0. They play Qatar, the CONCACAF powerhouse. That is Qatar in the Gold Cup semifinal on Thursday. Didn't we used to call it Qatar? I don't know what it's called now. I'm going with Qatar. I've heard Qatar. But, yeah, they're I think I think I think I think Qatar was like an old – Qatar was an old pronunciation. And now yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what's right. It doesn't look like either. It doesn't look like it should be said either way. No, they're a special entrant because a they're a their airline, their statewide airline company is a sponsor of the match, and they need actual competitive games because they are the host of the next World Cup. So that means they don't have to qualify for it. So they need competitive games. So they basically paid their way into the Gold Cup. <laughs> they tried to pay their way into the Copa America, but there's too many COVID issues down there. So they're just like, yeah, we'll just stay with the with Gold Cup this week or this year. And they're playing pretty well. They're they're a pretty solid team. They won the Asian Championship, I think, two years ago when it took place. Um, and that was a little bit of a surprise. Nobody expected them to do that. So it'll be a really tough match for the U.S. on Thursday. I liked what I saw last night a little bit from the team. I liked Matthew Hoppe, Gianluca Busio dropping deep played well. Uh, Kellen Acosta played really well in front of that back line, that makeshift back line for the U.S. last night. Did you watch any of it last night? I saw parts of it, um, and I, I what I kept thinking was, you know, I, they've got Minnesota, or Minnesota, USA, U.S. has got some depth there that we're going to see now because the games are so compressed yeah. down. And, and so I think there's some some guys that, that are going to make some uh, longer appearances Probably on Thursday, and then hopefully again on Sunday. I think I think that they'll be playing on Sunday, but we'll get to that and uh, and write that down. So ah, you're bringing back the write that down from last week mm-hmm. against my, one of one of my picks. Uh, going back to MLS now, your boy Ricardo Pepe bags a hat trick, becomes the youngest player ever to score a hat trick in MLS as his FC Dallas side win four nothing four nil against LA Galaxy on Saturday. I knew that MLS. was going to happen. And now he's yeah, you knew it. Now he's MLS Player of the Week. He's on the MLS Team of the Week, obviously. Um, so are Chase Gasper and Emmanuel Reynoso for their efforts on Saturday. Uh, Pepe bagging a hat trick. Still hasn't picked whether he's going to play for the U.S. or Mexico. But seeing what FC Dallas has done with other with other youth and transferring them over to Europe for big money, Ricardo Pepe already has eight goals on the season. What's he mm-hmm. 17, 17, 18? If they can get. If they can get some some European clubs sniffing around with sniffing around for him, which I assume there already are, I would think so. Big money. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, that, that's kind of it's that uh, whole thing about your your homegrown talents is you know well, it'd be great if we had a superstar. Oh wait, if we have a superstar, we probably can't keep him. Right. Um, so what do you do with that? And but you know at, at least at least the way that this everything is structured the team does benefit if he goes somewhere and and signs a huge contract so at least that part of it benefits the club and it's it's incentive to keep developing you know young players that may not stick around long so um but yeah yeah, hat tricks are hard to come by but you know we'll get to that and write that down wow you are just (laughs) teasing everything for write that down tonight um so the loss on Saturday for the LA Galaxy means they have now, over their last two, lost and draw. And over the last three, they are winless. Mm-hmm. So looking like that early quick hot run for them is a bit of a mirage. I mean, they haven't been with, they've been without Chicharito for a little while now. So 
Yeah. It's probably going against them, making it harder for them. Obviously, they don't have Jonah Dos Santos, who's playing for Mexico. So they're missing a number of key players, but they are really struggling of late, barely holding on to that third-place standing in the Western Conference. I think they're just a point above Colorado at the moment. Minnesota has a game in hand on them, and they're down by four points. So Minnesota wins that game in hand. They are quickly closing in on the LA Galaxy for third place. Yeah, right in the right in the thick of things for, you know, home field advantage at playoff time. So that kind of where, you know, like I said, if, if they win on on Wednesday when nobody else is playing, you pick up three points and, and that kind of puts them where, you know, where you thought they'd probably be right about yeah. now. Yeah, you thought they'd be in the top four at this point in the year after the way they finished last season. And so it took till, you know, almost the end of July, but they're finally wiggling their way back up to where, you know, they probably should be. Yeah. Um, other notes across the league, Seattle, after they lost here, they went down to Austin. They got a 1-0, I believe it was a 1-0 win against Austin when they played five teenage players, first time in MLS history. A team has played five uh, homegrown teenage players in one, or started five teenage homegrown players. Um, they somehow get the win there, and then they get crushed on Sunday night against uh, or at Sporting Kansas City. Three to one, so sky is falling in Seattle after their hot start. Yeah, it, you know it's funny how that happens to teams, and they they look like oh they, we can't be beat, and then all of a sudden they stumble, and then it gets tough, and um, so it, it's kind of what you'd expect out of the uh, out of the Western Conference that yeah. Seattle was going to kind of get knocked down a few pegs, and that would just you know make everything closer and tighter, and um, you know like it is every season, it would come right down to you know the last weekend of the regular season to decide a lot of things and um yeah i don't think there'll be a runaway winner in the west i think seattle's definitely the team to beat in the west still i mean they are missing a number of players Mm -hmm. through injuries and international call-ups but once they get those guys back i think they're still easily the team to beat just because they've shown that it's going to still be really hard to beat them despite their lack of of starting power right now they're having to rely on a bunch of youngsters and a bunch of their depth that they didn't want to rely on and so far they've handled it fairly well other than the last week but yeah i think they're still easily the team to beat in the western conference going over to the eastern conference quick we don't look at the eastern conference a whole lot but one of my favorite storylines is just how bad inner miami are and they get crushed midweek five nil to the revs they end up drawing on sunday to uh philadelphia but 5-0 5-0 to the refs. Yikes. It's going from bad to worse in Miami as they've already got the punishment for trying to bend the rules for MLS roster construction. Now they're already there's already talks that they have to have a fire sale on their roster and they're in the midst of a really bad run of form. They, they come in with, uh, you know, as an expansion team um, with because of their ownership group, uh, just a little more fanfare, a little more... Uh, and and I don't know that you necessarily want that. I mean, you shouldn't. An expansion team shouldn't feel pressured to um, to win and 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 make the playoffs right away. I think the expectations were way too high. Absolutely. You know, some people look at it as they saw what happened in Atlanta and go, "Oh, that's what." You know. yeah, that's that's very unusual and very hard to do. And um, you know, I think that they're just. Un, unreasonable expectations for that club and they're finding out that it's going to take some it's going to take some time and 
you know, I'm sure they, they'll get better, but it's not going to happen this year, I don't think. Absolutely, it's gonna be, it's gonna take a while because they have some they have some roster things that they have to work out and get basically underneath the salary cap and get rid of all their designated players that they tried yeah, to sign. Stop cheating. Not register correctly. <laughs> stop cheating. Yeah, essentially. So that's been a look across the league. Dan, you pitched this at the end of last week. You wanted to talk our top three soccer movies. I'm going to bend the rules a little bit on mine <laughs> because I'm using a TV show and two documentaries. I just want to take like it. I just want to take it back because after I said that, I started thinking, I'm going, <laughs> wait a minute. I think I've only seen three soccer movies. And then I started doing a little research and I'm going, they're in this country. No, not here. There aren't a lot of now. Now around the world, there have been a lot of soccer movies, right. a lot, but a lot of them either didn't show up here or you'd have to go somewhere to find them. Yeah. I don't know where, but <laughs> after I said that, I said, "Oh man," because uh, because a couple of them came to mind right away, and then I'm going, "Oh, there aren't very many." <laughs> This is not as this is not as easy as I thought it was, but it did. Doing my research, it did help me come up with a list of I found about five or six that I'm going to go and search for and try and watch because they sound interesting. So okay, it will get well, it will I'm, get more. Now I'm curious about what those five or six are. Didn't you do any research on this? Did you just mail it in? No, 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 no I didn't mail it in. Uh, there's one I that I watched. Ladybugs, come on. Um, what was that one called? Now if it, Ladybugs. <laughs> I hope that's not on your list. Um, no, it's not. I said two documentaries and a TV show. Now, there was one. Let me see if I wrote that one down. I don't know. I'll have to look at my notes here and see. But but um, I never saw, and I, I don't think I'll like it, but I never saw Bend It Like Beckham. Haven't seen it. So I don't know if that's any good. Yeah. Um, and then there's one that that my my wife told me was a rom com, so I've never seen that one. It's called She's the Man. Ah, with Amanda Bynes. Yeah, I've seen that one. I didn't see that one, but then then I was told I probably wouldn't like it. So no, you I, that's not a you movie. No, no it's definitely. No, not I didn't think movie. so. So, um, <laughs> so I, I I'll start this off. Okay. And I'll go with my number three pick. I had a uh, um three point five. My third and a half pick i i put down a movie called the mean machine okay familiar with that no what is that one okay you remember there was a burt reynolds version and then a adam sandler version of the longest yard yes about american football yes i believe that yes they did a soccer version of that called the mean machine what year uh that was out in 2005 Interesting. And I had forgotten about it, and then it popped up, and I said, oh, I remember watching that. So that was my three and a half. So my my number three was only because I I think Will Ferrell's pretty funny. So I put Kicking and Screaming on there. Okay. Um, I'm a Will Ferrell guy, so. I, I, I like him. He gets a little, it's a little much sometimes, but the reason why I liked it is because having – Kids that played soccer, like everybody else on this planet, it's, right. it's one of the, it's like a, it's like the gateway sport, you know. Yeah. See if you can get them hooked on sports. Have them go yeah. play soccer. If they don't get bored to death, we'll we'll let them play other sports. Yeah. And well, correction, it's supposed to be cheap, but you know, American paper. It players. still is, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, once you get, once you get um, older, it's the interaction with the father that's the coach and other. It, it just, it, I just thought it was kind of funny. So okay, I liked it. So what, what was your third one? 
My third one, so I chose, I'm going to start off with my two documentaries. I'm going to leave my TV show for number one, and I'm assuming if people are listening to this and they know I'm talking about a soccer TV show, they know what I'm talking about for number one. My third one, I'm going to go the Alex Ferguson documentary that came out uh, about a month ago on Paramount+. Plus. It's called Sir Alex Ferguson Never Give In. It's basically a quick document. It's a documentary about his life up until Manchester United won the 1999 Champions League. Basically, what basically drove him to basically revive Manchester United from 20 year, 26 or so years of just being down. And he brought them back and made them into the powerhouse that they were. And it goes through his life, his early life, when he played, when he was playing soccer, when he played for Rangers, what happened there. And then when he became a coach, coaching Aberdeen, and then getting the job at Manchester United, basically what went into everything that made him and made Manchester United what they are today. So I thought it was really good, but that's because I'm a Manchester United fan. Um, but if you're just a general fan of soccer, it's a very good documentary on one of, if not the best coaches in all of sports. All right. I might have to watch that one. Is that on, is that on Netflix? Uh, Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my number two, my number two uh, soccer movie was one that um, – it was out in 2005, and I, I have thought about this movie often only because um, it's just a great underdog story. It's, it's called Goal, okay. the, uh, the Dream Begins, and story of a, uh, um, a Mexican family that uh, moves illegally into the United States to, I think it was Los Angeles, somewhere in California, and it's a kid that battles his way up from being a very poor family and um, ends up playing, I want to say they use Newcastle as the example. Um, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a rags to riches, nothing to top of the soccer world story. It was a fun, it was just a good movie, good, um, you know, one of those feel-good sports movies. But, yeah, it's called Goal, The Dream Begins. And I think it was 2005 that one came out. But good movie. That's one you'd enjoy that one uh, if you can find it. So I'm not sure where it would be right now. But okay. do a search on it. I think you'd like that one. All right. I will. I think I've. I think one of my college roommates was watching that, and I walked by it and was slightly interested in. It, so I may have to go back and watch actually the whole thing. My number two is an ESPN Thirty for Thirty they did a couple years ago, back in two thousand fourteen, I believe, uh, called Hillsborough. It's about the Hillsborough disaster where ninety six Liverpool fans lost their lives in a crush at a FA Cup semifinal game. That's back when they had standing area, standing only areas, and they were penned in and. The security just wasn't right for the stadium. They didn't have the correct security, and it just goes... The documentary goes through basically that day, what happened, what led to 96 people losing their lives, and then the aftermath, the fallout, the the years-long legal battle that families of those that lost their lives had to go through to get their, fam- their, their family members' names cleared because immediately afterwards, the British press and the British government and the police all blamed it on drunk, supposedly drunk fans, and they didn't want to take, the the police there didn't want to take the blame for them basically not having proper security protocols in place and just letting too many fans into the into the stadium. And it goes through all of that, and it's a really moving documentary that, that takes, that basically goes into everything that happened and what those families had to fight through and against. And I thought it was a really well done documentary. It's one of the best 30 for 30s I think they've ever done. I have I have seen that and it is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job and and even even though the, you know the footage of the actual, 
disaster was was not great, but yeah. they did a great job of using it. And, and and you were yeah, it made you really feel how horrible it was. That was, that was that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, your number one. Okay, but first, before I hit my number one, I just want to say there's a few. You know, isn't amazing? I could go on a list of, you know, I could come up with ten basketball movies, ten football movies, ten uh, baseball movies in a matter of seconds. Yeah. Um, but there just aren't a lot of soccer movies. Um, when my kids were little, I had to watch Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield. That was awful. <laughs> that was terrible. And the other one was Air Bud. Yes, yes, Air Bud. Air Bud. How did I forget that one? Wow, wow. <laughs> you know what? Have you gone through the Wikipedia article on the Air Bud franchise of movies? No, there's a lot of them though, right? There's a lot of them, and it is impressive how many sports <laughs> that dog can play. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, so my first pick was a long time ago. Okay. But it was a movie at the time where... I was, I was still playing soccer. That's why it's weird. Um, it was a movie called Victory. Okay. And it starred Sylvester Stallone. Yes. I've heard of this one, yes. And it, I, right? Yeah. It wasn't a great movie, but at the time, 1981, we're following up on Miracle on Ice. You know, right. I'm young enough. I'm still playing some soccer. And this is a World War II movie. It's a concentration, or not a concentration camp, a, a POW camp. Yep. And they uh, they come up with a plan that the prisoners, the Allied prisoners, are going to take on the Nazis and their mighty mighty soccer team in a, in a game to uh, I think it was to please the Mein Fuhrer, you know, so he yeah. could watch some soccer. And Stallone's not a, a soccer player. <laughs> But they no, think he's don't say? no. But they think he's key to the escape plan that they come up with for halftime of this match from a stadium in it was probably in Berlin. I don't know. Right. I don't remember where it was. It was a long time ago since I watched this, and so they have to turn him into a goalkeeper, and um, it was fun. I mean, I'm sure if I watch it now, I'd go, "Oh my god, this is like Hogan's Heroes with a soccer ball," you know. <laughs> But but at the time, I remember thinking, that yeah, was a pretty good movie, you know. And, and uh, the big dilemma is it's halftime, and we have a chance to beat these guys. Yeah. What are we going to do now? <laughs> See? And that's the cliffhanger. I won't tell you what they do. Okay. I'll go back and watch it. I'll I know. I would have escaped. I don't give a crap. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> Screw this. I'm out of here. Let's right, go. Right. <laughs> Uh, right. So what's your number one? Number I, one. I didn't steal your thunder with uh, ladybugs, did I? No, you came oh, close. Good. You came good. close. No, my number one, as many soccer fans, and I guess many people just who want something different than the kind of TV and TV, er, movies that we're getting these days, which is really dramatic and kind of depressing, Ted Lasso. I don't know if you've heard of this show on Apple TV. It's absolutely fantastic the second season started coming out last week the first season is some of the best television around it basically started off it basically started from a commercial series that uh jason sudeikis and nbc sports did back when nbc sports got the rights to the premier league they had jason sudeikis dress up as a football coach an american football coach taking over tottenham and <sighs> he was just he was just a, a bumbling idiot who didn't know anything about soccer and was trying to just get um, just get American viewership in, and it it worked. And then they made it into a TV show, and it was like, 
At first, I was like, this does not make sense. How can this be a TV show? <laughs> and then you watch it, and it's absolutely outstanding. It's positive. It's uplifting. It's fantastic. It's hilarious. They have such, It's just such a good TV show compared to the, the rest of the kind of depressing sort of TV shows that we're getting these days that can kind of look at look at the darker side of life. What, uh, Ted Lasso what, does not do that. What's it called? It's called Ted Lasso? Yep, Ted Lasso. Okay, and that's the, the name of this coach. Yeah. Yep. So in this series, he's still a coach. Yep. In the Premier League. Yeah. He. So it starts off. I'm not spoiling it any, for anybody because it's been out for longer than it. It's been out for more than a year now. People okay. Watch it by now. And this is only on as, Apple TV. Yep. He starts yeah, off as a football we'll coach, a college football coach, and for some reason, a Premier League club decides to hire him as their manager, and he takes over and basically try, has to figure out the game of soccer in his first couple months on the job, and it's it's outstanding. <laughs> It's, Sounds it's like my funny. high school soccer coach. <laughs> it's funny. It's uplifting. It's it's every it's worth it. I had a high school soccer coach who had never coached or played soccer. I don't know if he'd ever watched a soccer game in his life, <laughs> but he wanted the extra cash, and they couldn't find anybody to do it. So he literally coached out of a book. Jeez, he no. literally had a book. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. Wow. So let me ask you something about that. Um, and, and let's just conclude this segment with: there need to be more soccer movies. Yeah, absolutely. I think there, I, I'm just appalled at how few there are. But let me ask you this: okay, we talked about uh, shows or movies being on Paramount. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just mentioned Apple. Yep. There's. I know that there's YouTube TV, right? That's uh, that's basically like a cable service. Okay, and then you've got, uh, I've got Netflix and Hulu. Yep, Amazon Prime. Do, do, do most people have all of these? No, you share. You find okay. people who have those certain accounts, and then you share your login. So I was starting to feel I bad because I've no, only got two. I mean, no, you pay for them. Of course, you pay for them. <laughs> so how many are you uh, taking? Yeah. So okay, I just want to make Basically that clear trade. because. I feel like I'm missing out on something. I, I was wondering, does everybody have all of those? Because there's a, a uh, there's a series on with uh, Kevin Costner. Um, is it called Yellowstone? Maybe. Yeah. On Peacock. Yeah. Yep. That I that I'd like to watch, but it's on Paramount, I think. No, it's on, it's on Peacock. That's on Peacock. Did it used to be on Paramount? I don't know. See, it's so confusing. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't want to pay for another service, so I don't know. Really it's, just... on it's on one of those two. But, yeah, yeah. there's a lot another. of services on right. a lot of services that are streaming soccer. So yes. American soccer fans, yes, they we do get a lot of a- access to soccer matches. But welcome to welcome back to helping old people watch TV. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. You're welcome. All right. You ready for Write That Down? This Let's is write that down. Interesting, interesting week in Write That Down. If you have not listened to us or watched the YouTube version of the show before, Write That Down is our weekly segment where we make three soccer-related predictions. At least one of our Minnesota, or at least one of our predictions has to be Minnesota United-related. We'll keep track of the correct predictions throughout the year. We'll call them goals, and the person or guest or listener who has the most goals at the end of the year wins the very coveted golden boot. So let's get to our accountability session, Dan. Quite the interesting accountability session. We'll start with me quick. I said Minnesota will win at least two of their next three games. That was before the Seattle match, so winning against Seattle and Portland counts as that. Don't even need to look at the LAFC match. I will take that win there. Hmm. But I did say Joseph Martinez was going to score a hat trick Wednesday against FC Cincinnati. I can't believe he didn't. Well, it's he hard was to do close. That when you, but did he score two? 
No, he didn't score any because he had to come off the bench in the sixth. Oh, minute. yeah, that was Thanks, a really stupid manager. pick. You should at least find out if the guy's going to play before you pick him to score three. Well, I figured he would have played since uh, Gabriel Heinze <laughs> was booted because he wouldn't play Joseph Martinez. No, if he would have played, he would have gotten a hat trick, I'm sure. Yeah, against FC Cincinnati, they haven't been that good. Um, but you had a more interesting week. You started off saying Seattle will get one win or less in their next three matches. Cha-ching. Well done. Well Cha-ching. done, Gerard. That's a heck of a pick considering they're undefeated going into that pick. That's I, that was kind of a that was kind of just like wishing out loud and it happened. <laughs> you spoke that into existence. That's well what done. it was. It was just like, oh, that'd be great if they would stumble. Then you said the US women's national team will win win by four goals or more against New Zealand. Well they won six six nil, six one, I can't remember. They scored six and the other team didn't score as many. So Yeah, you know, that's kinda you know, after they got beat in their opener as kind of like low hanging fruit, that was gonna be a blowout win. You knew it yeah. was, so yeah. then you said then you went to the MASL, you went back to this pond again. You said mm-hmm. the Cardinals will get a shutout win with three mm-hmm. or more goals against Spam FC. Mm-hmm. Well, they got three goals, I believe, but they mm-hmm. did not shut out Spam FC, no. which is my new favorite team. If they have jerseys, I want to buy one because <laughs> Spam FC, that's fantastic. I'll look into that. All right. Um, and then this one. You came so close to this one, and I was thoroughly impressed. You said in your two or more picks, you said Minnesota will have two or more goals, two or more goal scorers, mm-hmm. correct on both, two or more saves for Tyler Miller, mm-hmm. correct on that. Mm-hmm. But then you said there will be two or more yellow cards in the match, and for some reason, the ref, despite being How? plenty of opportunities to hand out yellows, to dish them out like they were going out of style, handed out one yellow card, and it was in the 86th minute to Robin Lode. How could there – and you watched the match again. Yeah. <laughs> there were at least three or four yellow cards in that match. There was the one Are probably you kidding me? pushes pushes Nico Hansen down two arms extended right in front of the goal. How's Man. that not, A, not a penalty and I B, did. not a yellow card? That was a lot of work just to miss it by one yellow card. <laughs> um, you know what? This week, this week I'm going to keep it much simpler. And that was so much work, and then I get nothing but red ink. Man. I felt so bad when I was when I was telling that one of like, okay, he's got the two goals, two more goal scores, chasing Lo- chasing Robin, good, two more. I had to go into the yeah. the stats we use for for the game time, or for the game broadcast, and find out how many blocks or saves Tyler Miller had. He had exactly two, mm. and then I get to yellow cards. I'm like, oh, that one <laughs> that one somehow bites yeah. Dan. I'm ex- I'm exhausted. I'm gonna take this week off. <laughs> So our, our records for the season, I now have seven goals. You have 11. You're in the double digits. Guests have two, and the listeners are still pulling an over. So that means you're in the lead still, Dan. Congratulations. I couldn't have done it by myself. Oh, wait, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now time for our picks. I think I went first last week, so I will let you go first. Did you go first last week? All right. Uh, my uh, MNUFC are at least one of them. I may have more. Um Adrian Anu okay. is going to kind of surge. He will have, he will score multiple goals in the next two games. Whoa. Well, hold on. We're going to go from a two goal performance being a two goal outburst. No, no, no. And but now he, Adrian Anu is going to score two, he's going to score multiple goals in the next couple games? No, no, no. Just total. Oh, okay. So I'm saying in the next two matches, we've got LAFC on Wednesday, and then Saturday is uh, Vancouver, right? Yeah. Yeah. He will score at least. Vancouver. He will score at least two goals in those two games. Now he might score two and one, and none of the you know, but he'll get 
at the end of those two matches, he'll have two goals total in those two matches. So okay, he may get them both in one, then you know take a night off. But um, <laughs> so okay. multiple goals total in the next two matches for Adrian. All right, write that down. Yep. All right, for me, for my first one, I'm looking back to make sure I didn't already do this. Uh, you have, you previously said Minnesota will make the playoffs. I'm going to go one up on that. Write this down, Dan. Looking at the playoff, or looking at the current Western Conference standings, which I love to do at all times of the year, not just late in the season. You look at it in the off season. I don't know why, I know but you do. your feathers. Hey, look, it's January. Look where we're at. <laughs> all right, Minnesota currently sits sixth place, but they have a game in hand. And they're only a couple points out of third place. Write this down, Dan. Minnesota United will finish third place or higher in the Western Conference at the end of the season. Okay. You know, you're, I know what you're doing. You're bagging up all these, all these picks that we won't know till the end of the year. And then you're either just going to blow by me with all these points or you're just going <laughs> to suck. Yeah, yeah. I'm with, I'm right. making it suspenseful at least. See, I, I, I'm not that patient. I want results. I want results in the next week. I don't like, I don't, I'm not sitting on a whole bunch of them. So, um, all right, I got that written down. My number two is, and this is only just because you made such an awful pick last week about uh, Martinez. So it was a terrible pick. He didn't even play. You said um, you were going to give me two goals for that one if it, if it hit. I would I'd, I'd give you ten, but it didn't happen. So um, <laughs> nobody, nobody in the MLS this week between Wednesday and Sunday when the week is done, nobody will get a hat trick in the MLS. Nobody. You're trying to tempt me into this one. Write that down. Go ahead. Your turn. No, Go, ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take the bait. <laughs> I'm writing this down. I, I'm i not going to do this. I'm not going to fall for it. I will. Go to my next one. <laughs> Manuel Reynoso. According to the league's website, because they're using secondary assists, I know I generally don't use secondary assists. I usually just use the primary assist. He has, according to MLSsoccer.com, four assists on the season. According to FBRF, he has one assist on the season. I don't care how it happens. Either website. I'm going to go... No, I'm going to go by FB ref standards. So, by the primary assist counting. Emmanuel Reynoso, at the end of the season, will have 10 or more assists by the end of the season. Okay. Why don't we just go by the MLS stats? Because that's too easy. He's going to get plenty. I want, it to, <laughs> I want this to be difficult. Okay. Well, you're the one doing the paper. You're the one doing the research on it, so... So, if he's going to get 10 by their standards, that means, by our standards, he'll have 15 to 20. <laughs> By right? MLS, by Major League Soccer, Soccer.com right. standards. See, I like a lot of points. I, I came, I spent a lot of time uh, around hockey, and you almost always get two assists on a goal. So, I'm, I'm not into the whole secondary assisting. I get why, why some websites count it, but no. Nah. Mm-hmm. Give me primary assists. Nope. All right, I'm write it down. So, all right, all right. My third one: Concaf Gold Cup Thursday, USA versus Qatar. Qatar. Qatar? Cutter? Quatar? I sure. don't know. Um, uh, they're playing that one in Austin, aren't they? Yes. They're playing that one in Austin. Um, USA, because Qatar has been very good offensively, mm-hmm. um, they will give up a goal. Okay. But U.S. will score three. three so exactly? three, three, no, three plus okay. to one. Three more to one. Three plus to one. That's my pick. One, Write that one. down. One exactly for Qatar. Correct. 
Okay. But so if they win three nil, I'm off. No, they're going to give up one because I think Qatar's offense is pretty good. So. Okay. So U.S. will get three or more goals. Three or more, and they will score one. It's pretty specific, but I'm feeling good about that. USA, USA. Okay, that's an interesting pick. Uh, gotta get back. Here we go. Third and final pick. Oh, what should I go with here? Hattrick. Hattrick. Nope, not gonna do it. Not gonna do it. I'm gonna look at the schedule here. I'm gonna look at the standings. Dan, fine, I'll do it. You're okay, you do it. <laughs> it works every time. Write this down, Dan. Between now and Sunday night, once MLS Week 16 or whatever the heck we're counting it at this point is finished, at least one player in MLS will bag a hat trick. <laughs> you know, no, see, now I'm disappointed. The old Jonathan would have said there was going to be three hat tricks. I know. I was leaning towards saying at least two, but I'm going to go at least one. I'm disappointed. Now you're, you're kind of caving in a little bit. All right. So the hat trick war begins. <laughs> You know the odds are in my favor on that, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, all right. There hasn't been that many hat-tricks this season. So. <laughs> uh, Let's well, see who Seattle are playing so I can bet on... Oh, Raul Ruiz Diaz is playing San Jose this weekend. That could Count be it. your guy. That could Count be your it. guy. <laughs> I'm I'm just hoping it happens. It's Adrian Anu, so I get a point somewhere. So <laughs> That's fair, <laughs> At least too. I get something out of it, so... All right, I just want to say I just want to say my uh, uh, Saturday night, uh, my whole family was was at the match. Yeah, and it was a mixture of people that had been to games before, um, people that played soccer before, to my four year old granddaughter who had never been to experience anything quite like that before yeah. and I had a great time the atmosphere was great the energy was great uh all my granddaughter said at the end was yay the blue team won <laughs> she liked the smoke yeah that's fantastic <laughs> that everybody had a good time yeah it was fun it's a great atmosphere so people that haven't been there it's uh it's different you know every every professional sport you go to and every arena is a little bit different and uh i gotta tell you they've they've done a great job at uh, mnufc uh, from the ownership group down to Chris Wright, who's leaving the club at the end of this season. Um, some pretty smart people have put this thing together, and it's uh, it's experience that's as good as any. So um, tip of the hat, and uh, it's if you haven't been to a game yet, you got to find a way out there. It's, it's pretty special. Absolutely. It's a great time. I'm looking to get my family out there too, so I'm glad your family had an awesome time. Um, it was lovely meeting them all. Meeting your wife or seeing your wife again, and then meeting the rest of your family. Um, yeah, so it was it was a good night. It was a great great atmosphere. I would say one of the best one of the best atmospheres Allianz Field has ever had. Yeah, there's some moments that have been pretty big there. You know, the first goal, the first win at Allianz Field, and the playoffs. And but yeah, this was right up there. You know, it was yeah, perfect night and everything. So so now I just got to go win a couple on the road, and then uh, everything will be happy. All right, Dan, we will talk to you Wednesday for the broadcast. Once again, you can hear us for all Minnesota United matches, especially Wednesday night, 9 p.m. pre-match, 9.30 p.m. kickoff over on Score North on AM1500, live.scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. This has been Loon Talk for this week. You can find us anywhere you find your podcast. Give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. And you can find us over on Score North YouTube channel as well. Dan, you have a good night. And listeners, we will talk to you later. See you. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. 
And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.